I've never had a call like this in my life. Stroud was longer than anything I could make. Hello? Here, somebody, let me just put them here. What's going on now, sir? What? I'm my yard right now. It's like... Do you see him now, sir? Jesus, the damn thing is looking at me. Uh-oh. It's running around. Okay, hang on. I don't know what the hell it's doing on there. Is he in your yard, sir? Yes, I told you, he's in my yard. Bigfoot, right? That's about if he has evidence uh, proving Bigfoot. He would like a police officer to come there. And she says it looked just like Chewbacca. <laughs> from Star Wars. She says he was holding her baby the way a human would, but says that baby had a face only a mother could love. Okay, everybody, welcome to My Bigfoot Commute. Okay, so this is a spinoff from my original podcast, Bigfoot on Trial. You can go to the website at bigfootforensics.com. All right, so the whole purpose of this, uh, basically, is that uh, I have about 15, 20 minutes of a drive in the morning, um, sometimes longer, depending on traffic. You never know. I live in the greater Atlanta area, up in the Roswell area, actually. Um, So the whole premise of this is, uh, as I'm listening to Bigfoot podcasts in the morning as I get ready for work or something I may have read in the evening when I got home, Um, I have thoughts and ideas that I feel like I need to share that aren't actually, uh, you know, maybe not long enough for an entire podcast unless you have a a guest. So I figure these quick little shorts of me talking while I commute would be okay. And have no fear while I'm driving, the, uh, the microphone is mounted. I actually have both hands on the wheel and I'm looking around and I don't have to, uh, worry about the microphone. So why do I have the, the right or the expertise to, uh, to talk about these things? Basically what I want to do is, uh, I guess I should have explained better. Uh, this is going to be on the fly too. I'm not going to go back and do any editing. I'm just going to talk and post. So um, you might hear, you know, noises. You might hear me go, um, um, uh, sometimes, or me get distracted by something that's happening on the road and I have to pause. Um, I will listen to them ahead of time because I do have my police radio going on in the background. Um, So if it picks up anything that's legible that you shouldn't be hearing, I'm going to have to obviously go and edit that out. Uh, Otherwise, it'll be completely unedited and uh, that'll be that. So a quick little bit about me. I'm going to post a bio uh, on the, uh, like, I guess underneath this first one. Uh, But a quick little bit about me, I'm 20 years law enforcement, Uh, started off on uh, on the road in patrol, just like everybody else, and moved up through the ranks to uh, moving into uh, detectives. And there in detectives, I became a voice stress analyst, which don't get me started on that one. I'm not really uh, in agreement with that whole method. But then I became a polygrapher and... I took a crap ton of classes on uh, interviews and interrogations, um, microfacial expressions, things like that, Um, statement analysis, all kinds of good stuff like that. That was my bread and butter for a long time. And then I moved um, and uh, got married. And basically, this place is, you know, they say the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that this agency is. Um, I'm not saying I work 
Well, I'm going to have to edit that out. Crap. Anyway, <clears throat> I live in the area and I police for a local agency here and I was uh, assigned to patrol for the first two years and you know that's anywhere you move to another agency you get to start over it's really fun it's not like the corporate world where you amass a bunch of uh, qualifications and then they go oh well we could use your skills it seems like in uh, law enforcement seems to be stuck in the old days of uh, you got to show your loyalty first and work your way up so you go straight into patrol and you work your way back up so that's what I did two years in patrol but uh, I guess I didn't have to really work that hard to get back up. Anyway, moved into uh, detectives, went into CID, and became a major crimes detective. Uh, you know, working everything from homicides to missing persons, things like that. Um, still got to utilize polygraph the entire time that I was here and focus on interviews and interrogations and while in the middle of that I met my now current partner at work um, who was always coming to my scenes and anyway a position opened up and I moved over to crime scene I've been doing that for the past eight years so now um, certified crime scene uh, tech uh, certified crimes uh, sorry certified uh, latent fingerprint examiner um, been to the National Forensic Academy in Oak Ridge. Um, all I do is read and study, read and study. I always had a, a, a fascination about Bigfoot, but especially since I came into uh, crime scene, I have been looking at, uh, well, I guess all the evidence online. I'm looking for real evidence. I'm looking for real research. We have all these different organizations. Well, two major ones, right? The, well, I'm not going to say them on this. I don't want to start off by pissing everybody off on the very first one. But there's two major organizations that everybody looks to, and they claim to be doing scientific research. So I have a pretty extensive resume now, or CV, um, especially for the, the forensic world. And I belong to some major organizations, um, the Chartered Society of Forensic Sciences. I've been, I'm sorry, the Chartered Society for Forensic Science, not Sciences. Um, I've been published, partner's been published. Um, we help out on uh, local agencies. We consult for local agencies. Um, our department's really big in our education. So I decide, hey, I have a skill set and I'm very interested in Bigfoot. So I start reaching out to these major organizations, providing my CV, telling them I'm conducting research on uh, friction ridge patterns or what everyone's calling dermal ridges uh, on the feet of um, non-human primates. And I'm looking to see if anyone has any dermal ridges or friction ridges on any of the casts that they've been creating. Also, what research do they have? You know, I'm looking out to share research and w willing to put my name and agency on a paper and have it published and either affirm or refute uh, any dermal ridges found on any of these casts. And it would seem that nobody wants to share information. Now, you're perfectly willing to be able to go on 
line and sign up for expeditions and wander around and anyway you can sign up for expeditions and pay a crap ton of money and the big question i have is is with all these expeditions all these websites and hosts of podcasts and guests talking about being researchers and this and that i would like to know where the data is and please do not point me to the one on the west coast because they don't have any um, and if they do they're not sharing it and that might be the other thing which i'm, I'm very concerned about um, are we wanting to perpetuate the the money-making aspect of it you know the tourism aspect of it so we can make money or are we actually trying to do research um, that that's one of my biggest problems and that brings me into the first podcast that I listened to this morning when I was getting ready and it is by a very I'm not gonna say his name on the first one all right someone I highly respect he did a fantastic job interviewing and you can ask my wife I, I have issues with so many television shows where I'm thinking god these people are in charge of well not in charge but these people have been assigned the task of interviewing a serial killer and it looks like they have zero experience in interviewing it's very sad and if you don't have that experience um, at least from my agency's point of view and the people that i work around part of being a detective is understanding your limitations and reaching out to someone who does have that expertise and asking for help so here i am offering my help on crime scene reconstruction, shooting incident reconstruction, blood stain reconstruction, fingerprints, processing and development, understanding the, the distortion that happens within being an examiner. I verify for several other different agencies and I can't seem to get anybody to respond to me when in the academic world, I reach out about uh, obtaining any of this actual research. It either doesn't exist or no one wants to share. And I get it if you're about to publish it in a manuscript or a book or a paper or something like that. But that's not what I'm being told. I'm not being told anything. I'm just getting ghosted. And I'm trying to understand because if I reach out to anyone else in the academic world about any of the other forensic sciences, they're perfectly willing to share and I usually make contact within the week and people send me their stuff. Then I do the same thing for other people because our lab does experiments and things like that and we help and talk to other people. We write and publish stuff and we, sub we share our research as well. So why in the Bigfoot community, if they want to be taken so seriously and they get mad when people say that Bigfoot doesn't exist, where's their research? Why aren't they sharing it? And for those of you perpetuating the hoaxes, that's not helpful, not helpful at all. It's irritating as crap. So on my podcast, Bigfoot on Trial, I'm actually trying to help teach people how to uh, obtain this ev evidence correctly um, and how to process those scenes, how to cast properly, how to photograph properly. Um, I'm wanting when I go online to look up 
pictures of new evidence, someone to have actually paid attention and taken the pictures properly and put them in context, used scales, all that kind of stuff. Because I believe, but I want to actually see the evidence. But what brings me on here today, before I get to work, because I know I've been rambling, is that I'm listening to this podcast this morning about a lady and her boyfriend who were camping and they're woken up by screams and they end up with their pistols in their hands, backs up against a tree. I think the episode's called Surrounded by uh, Sasquatch. And they actually state that the screams are so loud, so high pitched, they're scared for their lives. They both have guns. She's afraid that uh, if her boyfriend shoots towards one of these things, they're going to die. And I totally get that. There's certain things with in our subconscious that tells us don't do something or it's going to be super dangerous. I totally believe that. The problem that I'm having is that later on in the interview, which this guy is doing a phenomenal job interviewing, he just declines to question the witness in a way that would put her on the defensive, right? Uh, so anyway, their backs are up against the tree, and at some point, the boyfriend turns on the lights to the truck and the interviewer rightly asked, well, where was the truck? And she says two to three feet away. And my first thought is ask her why they didn't get in the truck, right? He does not ask this. I wait for the whole episode to see why he didn't ask, why didn't you get in the truck? And then later on, she actually says, Hey, um, We were so scared that we stayed up against that tree the entire rest of the night and didn't move. But there was a truck two to three feet away. So that's what we call a red flag in a story. But she wasn't questioned about it. Not even half-heartedly like, (laughs) why didn't you get in the truck? Right? I mean, there's ways you can do that that's not accusatory. So one of my problems is, is when we talk to these witnesses... Are we seeking the truth or are we seeking our truth, right? Are we trying to get the information that we already believe in or are we just using this witness to confirm our biases, right? Confirmation bias. That's what this is. Now, this man did a wonderful, wonderful job interviewing on every other aspect. He he just refused. I mean, he asked some great questions, things that I didn't even think of, but I guess he's been interviewing about this subject matter for longer than... I would have thought, I guess I'd have to prepare for this. But the issue that I have is that he refused to go there. So then we're going to have, sorry, changing lanes. So one of the issues that we're going to have when we're interviewing people is we're going to take this anecdotal evidence and we're going to put it up on the Bigfoot mapping project or the BFRO's sighting thing. Um, and the people who are doing these interviews have no interviewing experience, right? They already believe there's a possibility of confirmation bias and people aren't willing to push the envelope during the interview to test the waters to see if they're telling the truth or not. They're just excited about getting to interview a witness. Now for the podcasters out there doing this, don't care. You're all about entertainment. I get that. Um, you don't want to alienate your guest. And I totally get where this guy's coming from because he doesn't want to alienate his guest. But at the same time, the same people that are doing the podcasts in conjunction with research, I think we have a bigger responsibility. 
So that was my uh, my first uh, my first uh, Bigfoot commute podcast. Um, if you like it, keep listening. If you don't, it's just going to be me having little thoughts and ideas as, uh, about Bigfoot, obviously, or about forensic science. Uh, but it's always going to relate back towards Bigfoot. Uh, maybe some evidence that I saw, heard something during a podcast. Um, so my Bigfoot commute. Thank you for listening. Hit like and subscribe. Um, also, go to BigfootForensics.com. Check that out. Uh, you can listen to uh, the several episodes that I have started now on Bigfoot, uh, Bigfoot on Trial. Uh, let's not forget, I actually do believe in Bigfoot. Um, I just need it investigated the right way. All right. And hey, if anyone has any ideas for the next show, just reach out to 470 344 9441. I have it set up just to be a voicemail number, so I'm not going to answer the phone if you don't want to talk to me. But if you have any ideas for the show, just call that number and leave a message or any feedback you may have, any ideas, any stories, even if you have your own experiences or you just have something you want to say. Call the number and who knows, with your permission, of course, maybe we end up putting it on the show. Only a mother could love.